0: Welcome to the New Hope Roanoke podcast that follows our live weekend teachings. We are a church bringing hope to the Roanoke Valley. So please take a moment to subscribe or follow this podcast at the end of the message. And for more information,
1: go to newhoperoanoke.com.
2: The shift that showed our frailty. Nonetheless, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. We are separated. We are isolated. And in this world, we have trouble. Nonetheless, we take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. We are conflicted and frustrated, weary too. But nonetheless, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. We are down but not out, sidelined but still in the game. We fight for our families, we hold on to love, we strive for kindness, but the hard times get harder. Nonetheless, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We walk through adversity, We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We know to whom we belong, and we know where our hope lies. For he is the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega, the one who is and the one who is to come. It looks bleak, they say it's grim, there's a lot to fear, but nonetheless, we are strong. We are courageous we are the church
1: good morning welcome thank you for being here and thank you to all of you online my name is seth bryant i'm the lead pastor on staff and i want to introduce you to becky bannon so in the room say hello to becky becky and chris are a part of our church they have three awesome kids and uh, we want you to meet becky because becky is helping us out in the interim Uh, for Michaela Woods maternity leave which has yet to begin all right so uh, Connor's in the back of the room here if he goes running out in the middle of service we'll all know what's going on Uh, we are going to continue to pray for Connor and Michaela her due date was last week and we are praying for baby wood to come this week and we can't wait to meet her Uh, If you are new with us online or in the room today, thank you for being with us. If you're a guest, uh, we'd love to connect with you. There's a connect card online. If there's any way that we can pray for you or serve you, we would be honored to do that. And remember, we have giving boxes in the back and up front. Uh, You can give online, text to give. You can send your checks and all of those things. So let's ask God's blessing on the service. We are going to sing We are going to pray, we are going to hear God's word preached, and uh, we're going to celebrate what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. So let's go to him now. God, we thank you so much for the goodness of Jesus Christ, for his grace and for his forgiveness. And today as we talk about what Jesus has done for us and how he forgives us and then the responsibility that we have to forgive one another, we pray that you would move in our hearts and minds today. We know that our country desperately needs forgiveness and healing and unity right now. We need reconciliation. We need peace. We need grace. We pray that in the midst of division, the church could be a light. The church could be the salt of the earth. May we, as the body of Christ, lead the way in our country and in our world in these divided times. We thank you that we have the freedom to worship here today. We thank you that we have the technology to a worship with brothers and sisters all around the country perhaps all around the world and together as one right now we come to you we sing we pray we worship and we thank you for jesus christ whom we serve today in his name we pray amen amen well amen well good
0: morning we invite you to stand with us this morning and wave to the people who are around you just wave all right And then we ask you to sing this with us.
3: And break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake the alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great
0: wonderful this morning to sing the words that God, you have done great things. The last few months have been tough for everybody, but you know what? God is still doing great things. Amidst, right in, in, in our midst, amongst this pandemic, God is still moving. He's still working. He's still doing great things. We invite you to sing this next song with us that declares that the death of Jesus Christ on that cross can change our lives forever. Sing these beautiful words with us this morning.
3: dark.
1: That song so clearly articulates the gospel that what Jesus did for us means we get to receive from him we receive grace we receive love we receive new life and then in response Jesus invites us to live for him and one of the ways that we do that is every week we celebrate and we remember what Jesus has done for us that on the cross Jesus gave and then we we remember his body uh, here in the room, we have these communion cups that are prepackaged. The first tear is the bread. The second tare uh, is the juice. And they represent the body and the blood of Jesus. We remember what he did for us, the essence of the gospel, that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. And by remembering, by accepting, by living this way, uh, we receive what Christ has done for us. And then, of course, we are invited to be the agents of Jesus in the world. Uh, We are ministers of reconciliation. We are the people of peace that show the world the love, the sacrifice, the forgiveness of Jesus by the way that we live. If you would, let's pray, and then we will remember what Jesus did for us. God, we do thank you for the good news that in our sin, we have forgiveness. That in our loss, we are found by God. Lord, that when we don't know the way, you are the lamp. You are the light. You are the guide. We receive all that you have for us. On the cross, we receive what you have for us today. We pray that you would move in our midst and that through this moment, we would connect with our Father in heaven by the power of the blood of Jesus, and that we would be changed and transformed. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Let's remember the Lord.
2: Over 2,000 years ago, God, counting the heavenly throne as something to be held onto, came to earth. Among the air that we breathe, the dirt that we walk, the water that we drink, among every single living thing, to relate to us to know us, to save us, to tell us the stories that show us how to live. This, this series is about the God who came down to earth.
0: Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see you and be here with you in the room. And welcome to everybody who's joining us online this morning. Now, the Tin Boon family may be a name that you have heard before. They were a family that lived in the Netherlands during World War II. And what they are famous for is they were a refugee hideout for those who were escaping the Nazis in Germany. And it's actually accredited to the Ten Boom family for saving some 800 individuals. Now, they say that at any given point, if you were to walk into their house, they would have anywhere between 5 to 10 individuals hidden all throughout the house, and you would never know it. Now, because of all of the work that they did in helping and rescuing people, uh, the Nazis got tips and wind of what was going on, and in February of 1944, they actually raided their home and arrested the Tin Boom family. Now, as they arrested them, uh, some of them were executed on the spot. Some of them were sent off to trial, and Betsy and Corey Tin Boom were sent off to a concentration camp. Now, while they were there, Corey and her sister Betsy were forced to work long hours. They were given very little food, and Betsy endured some incredible beatings there was actually one german guard in particular who had just had it out for betsy and because of the course of her time there and the beatings that he gave her it actually ended up taking her life and after the war ended and corey was released from the concentration camp she actually tracked down and found that guard and she went to his home to speak with him and to offer forgiveness and in her book the hiding place she talks about the moment she came face to face with this guard, and she wrote this right here. She said, Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness. That the world's healing hinges, but on his. And when he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command, the love itself. Now, Corey's story is an incredible example of forgiveness. And I would encourage you, if you haven't, to go read more about her. But as I sat in her story this week, I began asking myself the question would I have that same capacity to forgive? That she did. And what I found is that as I sat in that question longer and longer, I came up with more reasons, more justifiable reasons, to withhold forgiveness than to extend forgiveness. And I believe that when it comes to the idea of forgiveness, a lot of us are like that. We can find more reasons not to forgive than to actually extend forgiveness. Because when it comes to forgiveness, I believe it, believe it typically goes a lot like this right here. I believe we tend to measure things differently for others than we do for ourselves. Let, let me just give you an example of this. Right, if you have ever been pulled over, which I have never, ever been pulled over, ever. What are you guys laughing for? right? If we get pulled over, what do we hope and anticipate will happen? We hope that officer will excuse us our speeding. Let us go with a warning and just say, hey, come on, watch your speed and keep it safe, right? That's what we hope. But when that car passes us on 581 going 200 miles an hour, what do we hope for? We hope to see them pulled over with a speeding ticket the size of a CVS receipt, right? Like that's what we anticipate because we tend to measure things differently for other people than we do ourselves. Now, maybe you're thinking this morning, you know what? When it comes to forgiveness, that's something I don't struggle with. Like, I'm like Oprah when it comes to forgiveness. I walk around going, You get forgiven, and you are forgiven, and everybody's forgiven, and I'm just totally good. And for the small percentage of you that that is you, that is wonderful. And you can turn this off, you can go listen to another sermon. That's fine. You don't have to listen to the rest of it. But for the rest of us, Let's, let's just play this out a little bit more because I think a lot of us really do struggle with the idea of forgiveness. And, and let me prove that to you. Look at this right here. With God's blessing, I don't have to forgive blank. Now, how many of you had a name for that blank before we start, finished reading that line? Or how many of you actually may need a blank that, or a screen that looks more like this? with more people in it than you care to put in the reality is when it comes to forgiveness we measure things differently for others and we do ourselves we expect forgiveness to be given to us without having to reciprocate we expect forgiveness to be given to to us and not have to worry about those that we are holding grudges against You know, this idea of forgiveness and and really struggling with it isn't something that's new to just us today. In fact, in the Bible, there's a guy named Peter. And he actually ended up being one of Jesus' closest disciples, one of his closest followers. But the problem with Peter was he was a little thick-scald, and it took a long time for things to kind of sink in. And so he posed a question to Jesus that I want us to look at this morning. He asked Jesus this question right here. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, I know we hear that and we go, Oh, man, Peter, don't ask that to Jesus, right? That seems like a really awful question. But Jesus is actually asking a legitimate question. Because in the day and time of Jesus, the rabbis and the scholars of the day were continually debating how many times you would have to forgive a person. And what they came up with was the number three, that if somebody sinned against you, you had to forgive them at least three times. Now, I don't know what happened on the fourth, if you got like the third fourth or the third hole punched and then you got like a free punch in the face. I'm not sure what this looked like, but only three times did you have to forgive them. And I don't know about you, but that sounds really awful to me because through the course of this quarantine, I know I offended my wife far more than three times, Right? But then Peter gives a suggestion, and he says, what about seven times? And what he does is he says, you know what? I know who Jesus is. I know what he's been doing. I know the standard he's been raising everything to. So let me double it and then one, and maybe Jesus will be okay with that. But Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And what Jesus does is he takes this standard, and he pushes the ball all the way to the end of the field. And he leaves Peter stunned. And what he's trying to get Peter and everybody else who's listening to understand is this quote that N.T. Wright made. He said, If you're still counting how many times you have forgiven someone, you're not really forgiving them at all. See, the point Jesus is trying to get across is that the way of God's kingdom isn't about keeping track of forgiveness. It's not about having a ledger and putting tally marks on or labeling things as severe or non-forgivable or this is okay, I can let it slide. Rather, Jesus is telling us that the way of the kingdom is forgiveness, period. The way of the kingdom is simply about forgiving. Yeah, but you know what? You don't know what they said. Forgive. Forgive. You don't know what they did. Forgive. You don't know how that's affected my life. Forgive. uh, You you couldn't imagine everything that took place in the... You know what? Forgive. And it's hard to think about going through life like that and following the way of the kingdom in that manner because not every person runs that way. Very few people run with that sort of mentality, which unfortunately means at times we have to take the higher road. It means we have to be the bigger person. It means we have to be Jesus in the situation, and even when it hurts, and even when we don't want to, and even if it costs us, we extend forgiveness because the way of the kingdom is forgiveness. Now, just to make sure that we fully understand and grasp what he's saying, Jesus launches into a story, and he says this next. Therefore, so in light of what I just told you, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, I want us to wrap our mind around exactly what Jesus is talking about here. So 10,000 bags of gold was an incredible fortune in that day and time. But when you take it into our economy today, it finds its worth somewhere in the realm of $7 billion, right? $7 billion. Let's put that into even more perspective for a moment. In our world today, there are roughly 7.8 billion people in the entire world, and out of that world population, there are only about 1,500 people who are actually labeled a billionaire, okay? Now, just so you don't start Googling, well, who's the richest, richest man ever? Let, let me give it to you. Here he is right here. This is Jeff, anybody? Bezos, the owner, operator of Amazon, right? And he's worth roughly $113 billion. And it's because of this man that we can get anything and everything that we want or pops into our mind in 24 hours or less, thanks to Amazon Prime, right? Right? Much of my salary has gone to make that man's salary right there. And I'm sure you guys are the same exact way. But this is where this servant is at. He owes $7 billion. And I want us to keep that in mind as we read about this next part here. Jesus says this, Since he was not able to pay $7 billion, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, you're looking at going, Whoa, that's kind of harsh. Well, here's the thing. In that day and time, when you borrowed money from a lender, you essentially gave them the right that if you could not pay back your debt, they were allowed to come in and take your home, take your land, take your possessions, and take them through the front gate of the city and sell it to the highest builder, uh, bidder Excuse me, to try to recoup as much debt as possible. And if it wasn't enough, they actually had the right to take your family and either make them indentured servants in their home or sell them off to the highest builder, bidder excuse me. in order to recoup their money. Now, as, as the people listening to Jesus heard this, there would have been some in the crowd, everybody in the crowd actually would have known exactly what Jesus is talking about. And they would have known, yep, yeah, I've seen this. Some of them would have said, you know what, that's me, I was just, I was just sold. Or some of them would be like, you know what, that's right, I took that guy who owed me money and I I made him come into my house and he's working my fields. See, everybody would have known what this was and how it worked. And everybody would have been anticipating the next step in the equation. They would have been anticipating the king's next move. But then Jesus begins talking like this and he says, Go back one more, I'm sorry. There you go. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. Now, next slide, please. And the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. And as soon as Jesus says this, everybody's minds would have just went, because this isn't how it worked. This isn't the way of the world then, and it's not the way of the world today. The king should have demanded justice and to be paid back with interest. He should have been made whole and then some. Because that's how it works, right? Once we are wronged, we want things to be made right and we expect more. Like if you go to Chick-fil-A and they mess up your order, you expect them to fix your order and then you also expect a couple free chicken sandwich coupons down in there as well, right? This is called the path of Lamech. Let me explain that for a second. Back in Genesis chapter 4, we are introduced to a man named Lamech. And Lamech's story goes like this. He was on his way home one day when a few men came out of the rocks and jumped him. And they actually beat him. And it says that when Lamech got back up and came to his senses and understood what was going on, he sought revenge. He sought to go back after those guys. And as he came upon those guys again, instead of just beating them and calling it even, Genesis 4 tells us that he found the men and he killed them. See, Lamech was looking for everything to be squared off and then some. The path of Lamech seeks an eye for an eye and a hand. It seeks to be made whole with interest on top of it. And this is exactly what the king could have done he could have sold everything that man owed and taken him to his house and been abusive to him because he owed him seven billion dollars i mean he is entitled to this and the path of lamech bases the severity of the punishment off of what we feel we're entitled to which becomes very easy justification for the way we treat other people Like when our server comes at our favorite restaurant and our order's messed up, we feel very justified if we speak harshly and derogatory towards them. You know, when our spouse does something we don't like or didn't want them to do, it becomes very easy for us to speak in a way that devalues them in front of our kids or our friends. When other people talk differently or look differently or have a different ethnicity or color of skin, it becomes very easy in the path of Lamech to assign a value that is far less and treat them like that. So when Jesus says that the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go, it's not a Mr. Rogers moment where he's just saying, All right, children, play nice. What Jesus is doing is he is introducing us to a God who is willing to extend mercy even if it costs him dearly. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of, God, the kingdom of heaven walks in a completely different path. See, while the path of Lamech and the world may be walking this way and seeking restitution and then some, the kingdom of God walks the completely different path, the complete different uh, direction. Because instead of seeking revenge, it seeks forgiveness. Instead of seeking interest, it seeks to give forgiveness even more. See, the kingdom of God leads with mercy and grace in every single conversation and relationship in interaction, and in our community, regardless of what they've done, regardless of what they've said, regardless of who they are. Because true forgiveness, true forgiveness measures what has been done for me, not to me. Now look at what Jesus says next. But when that servant went out, He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. We're talking a couple hundred bucks at max. He grabbed him. He began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Sound familiar? But he refused. And instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, if we pay close attention to this parable, what we notice is that Jesus is actually talking to two different groups of people here. The first group is this. He's talking specifically to people who have never made a decision to have a relationship with God before. He's talking to people beyond the church, beyond God's kingdom. And what he's saying is this. That for you today, you need to know that in this world there is sin. And because of the choices you have made and the lifestyle you have chosen to live in, you have occurred and crude an incredible debt of sin. Billions and billions of dollars worth. And in a hundred lifetimes, you would never be able to work enough to pay it off, do enough good things to earn God's favor, or be what Jesus has insisted you to be like. But the great thing is, is that we have a king who leads with mercy. And despite the fact that you have a sin debt, God has sent his son Jesus into this world. And he lived a life just like you and I, but perfectly. And at the end of it, he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. And through his amazing sacrifice, canceled that sin debt for everybody. There's nothing you have to do to earn it. There's nothing you have to do to be good enough to get it. He has simply said, my way is to give mercy and forgiveness freely. Just accept it and walk with me. And if that's you today here in the room or online, the step for you coming out of the sermon is to begin having a talk with somebody. If you're in here, I'm going to be right at the front of the stage after all this is done. And I would love to have that conversation with you and what it would look like to go in for Jesus for the very first time. And if you're online watching this morning and you've never made the decision for Jesus, we have our pastoral staff in the chat room and we would love to talk with you about what it looks like to have Jesus in your life. But the second group of people Jesus talks to are those here in this room. Those of us who claim to follow Jesus and to be part of his kingdom. And the message that he gives to us should make us really uncomfortable Because what he says is in light of the forgiveness that we have received, we should be forgiving people no matter what. A Russian theologian said this, in other words, forgiven people are to forgive people. Which brings me back to this slide right here. Go ahead and one more. One with a line, please. With God's blessing... I don't have to forgive. Blank. When it comes to this person right here, this morning you have two choices. You can choose to walk the path of Lamech with this person, and you can continue to exact revenge on them, and you can continue to speak with them and devalue them as a person. You can continue to hold them accountable for their sin and their action over and over and over again. You can continue to beat them down and hold them face-to-face with what they've done to you. The question is, what's that doing? And who is that helping, really? Yeah, it might make you feel better in the moment, but in the long run, is it really doing any good at all? Who's really benefiting from that? You know, is is what they did really worth a lifetime of being held as a servant to you in your anger? We can walk the path of Lamech with this person, or we can choose a second spot, and we can walk the path the kingdom see the reality is is if jesus really died for everyone if the first half of that parable really is true then this person has been forgiven by jesus and the question becomes if you're going to walk the path of jesus are you going to withhold forgiveness to somebody who jesus has already paid the sin debt for maybe it's time to start walking the path of the kingdom is it hard absolutely is it going to require you to forgive on a daily basis absolutely are you going to want to do it my guess is no not in this moment and maybe not tomorrow and maybe not a month from now because I don't know what this person has done and I know there's some baggage with it and for each person it may take a longer amount of time because of this forgiveness really is a deep-seated hurt but what I want us to begin doing as followers of Jesus today is simply begin praying the prayer that Corey Tinboom prayed for this person. Jesus, I can't forgive Link. So give me your forgiveness. Because it's not by our might and power, but by the Lord's. So Jesus, you give me your forgiveness so I can begin extending that to them because as people of the kingdom we have to remember that forgiveness is not about what's been done what has been done for me not to me and if we have received that incredible gift of grace we need to be extending that into the lives of that person right there let's pray god we thank you for who you are and for what you've done god may we be people who are humble enough to look to you, to find you, to search after you, and to put our lives into your hand. And God, after that point, may we be courageous enough to actually follow and live out the commands of your kingdom. Today, God, I don't know what's going on, but I pray that you will help us to begin praying that prayer. God, we don't have the power to forgive that person, but you do, and so we pray that you will give it to us today so that we may begin extending it to them. And it is in the power of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in online and for being here with us in person. Next week, we are continuing our sermon series, Down to Earth. And Seth will be walking through a parable about prayer. So we hope you come back and join us next week. And we love you guys. Have a great week.